what kind of a church, as you think in your mind, as you have a vision in your mind, what kind of a church would you like to <clears throat> be able to invite your friends to? Or invite people that you work with to? What words would you like to be able to use to describe your church to someone that you would hope that might come and visit? <clears throat> would you like to be able to use the word friendly? Our church is friendly. How about the word accepting? Our church is very accepting. Loving sounds like a nice word, doesn't it, for a church? Do you ever see yourself telling someone, my church is full of true wisdom? That one doesn't sound so persuasive, does it? But you know, the book of James tells us the pathway to great Christian community, to have a great church, to the type of community that people would really like to be a part of if they just knew a little bit about it. And it tells the key ingredient to that pathway. You think you might know what it is? Well, we're going to be looking at six verses from chapter 3 of the book of James. <clears throat> and he's telling the people he's writing to, he's writing to these converts to Christianity from Judaism that live outside of the, the land of Israel. And he's writing to different churches. And he's telling these people what exactly will lead their Christian community, their church, to a place that a serious person would really love to be a part of this, that group. And so, <clears throat> look with me as we look at the first part of verse 13 of James chapter 3. Here's how he starts out. Who is wise and understanding among you? Now, your first thought may be, I thought we were going to be talking about a place, a church. It seems that James is talking about a person. Who would you consider wise? Well, we're going to be talking about a place, but of course, places are made up of the people that are part of that place, aren't they? And so he asks them, who is it among you that you would say is a very wise person, a very understanding person? And of course, those were highly held characteristics or character traits back in that day. Who is it that you would say is a wise and understanding person? Now, you know, as these people ponder that question, they may be thinking, well, you know, there's Pete with a PhD in physics. I'd say he's wise and understanding. Then there's Sarah, who can play almost any instrument you can, you can name. That sounds pretty wise. Howard is the CEO of a, of a burgeoning multi-state company. He has to be wise in some way. 
and Jim and Sally are both psychiatrists. <clears throat> but you know, as everyone is trying to think of special people they might have in their mind in their church who have you know done great things and, and made it to great levels and have, uh, <clears throat> have a lot of accomplishments behind their name. James says this in the rest of our verse, the rest of this verse. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life. That is, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. <clears throat> so really, he's not asking for their degrees or their awards they've achieved. He's asking about the kind of life they live. Let them prove their wisdom and understanding by their good life. And what does he mean by good life? He means the deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. <clears throat> He's saying that if someone is truly wise, their lives will be lives of doing good things, doing good works that are done in the humility of true wisdom. So the truly wise person is the person whose life is filled with doing good things, good works, and done in the humility from wisdom. And so then, that means true wisdom leads to or produces humility. So if someone is extra talented or extra smart or popular, or has a lot of business savvy and makes money out of nothing, and yet they are proud, or they're all about themselves, or they're very self-promoting, then no matter how earthly successful they are, or how big of a following they have, or how many people would mention them as wise and understanding, they really aren't a person of true wisdom and understanding because they lack humility. That's how important humility is. And what is humility? Well, humility is a certain mindset that shuns pride and arrogance and treating others with contempt. we're looking down on others as less than ourselves, then we lack humility, and then we lack true wisdom. <clears throat> humility is seeing things for as they really are. It's gentle. It's considerate of others, according to the Bible. The, Bible, the Bible's humility is gentle and considerate. It's not being enamored with ourselves. <clears throat> I have a longtime friend that many years ago, after we had both become Christians, it was soon after, not long after we'd become Christians, he asked me what humility was. The, the word had come up in a discussion, and he goes, what is humility? And <clears throat> I was a new Christian, and I explained it the best I knew how. And he, he sat there silent, and he thought for a moment, 
And he said, I'm humble. <laughs> and that kind of took me back. I wasn't expecting that response. You know, they talk about the guy who received the medal for being the most humble in the company. And then they took it away because he wore it to work. <clears throat> but, you know, as I thought about it, and, of course, I knew this friend for years. I knew him very, very well. We were really good friends. And I thought, he's right. He is humble. And even his, when he said that, he said that in such innocence. It was just like, it was just a fact, and he wasn't bragging. But he was a really humble person, even if he says so himself. And, <clears throat> in fact, this friend of mine just retired after 40 years of teaching and coaching at the same middle school in Kansas. And that whole school just thought he was the greatest person they could have ever had on, on their faculty. <clears throat> he worked with kids in all kinds of ways. He was a wrestling coach and he taught uh, wood shop and whatever that has become nowadays. Uh, he taught that. He, he knew so many people in that community. His parents loved him, the parents there. They threw a retirement party for him just this last, last summer. You know, students, former students, athletes, they all came in droves to celebrate him. And so many of them gave testimonies to how much he helped them and how much he cared for them personally. And really, he enhanced that school. And I'm sure there were others, of course, but you know, his presence there really made a difference in that school. And so, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But what happens when you don't have true humility? or true wisdom that leads to humility. Well, that's in our next verses, 14 through 16. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such so-called wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, even demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder of every disorder and every evil practice. <clears throat> you know, when we are all about promoting ourselves, or we get miffed about someone else receiving some kind of recognition that we ourselves didn't get, or some kind of special treatment, or somebody's being lifted up, you know. And we get all miffed about it because, well, how come they didn't do that for me? And how come they're doing it for him? I know something about him they don't know. That's not wisdom from heaven, is it? That's earthly wisdom. That's wisdom that just watches out for me. My goal is to advance me. And if anyone else sees, receives recognition or praise, what a waste of time. That just takes the spotlight off of me. Think of that attitude 
And think how much damage it does to any group or club or friendship or team. And think how, how much that attitude does in a church. <clears throat> how much harm it does. Because it's earthly wisdom. It's not from God, not heavenly wisdom. And you remember the Corinthian church. You know, that's a famous church in the Bible. The Apostle Paul said they were operating by earthly wisdom. And of course, they were the most troubled church in the New Testament. He said that there were factions fighting against each other, standing against each other. When they were supposed to be coming together to encourage each other, they were, they were boasting over which person got baptized by which leader. <clears throat> I mean, you think about that. You're, you're boasting over who baptized you and the whole purpose is to be brought into the body of Christ. They were all trying to get the spiritual gifts that gave them the platform. They didn't want the spiritual gifts that put them in the background. They wanted the spiritual gifts that gave them the platform so they could get up and be seen and be heard. And the Apostle Paul said, don't seek those kind of gifts. Seek ones that help people more. He even put a limit on how many times they should get up and how long they should speak because they were abusing, you know, that gift. And then at their church meals, <clears throat> they had a problem that by the time some people got to the, the they called it a love feast, and they had the Lord's Supper included in that, and by the time some people got to the feast, which was a, a church-wide event, there wasn't any food left. And while some were already had been there for hours and eaten and gotten drunk even because they'd been there so long, others were coming in hungry and nothing to eat. And he said, what are you doing? That's human wisdom. That's me first wisdom. That's not wisdom <clears throat> that comes from humility. So it's not heavenly wisdom. You know, when you find yourself a part of a group, whether it's family, whether you belong to a work team, whether you're on a sports team, maybe you're involved in a special interest club, you're working on a committee, maybe a school board, a city council, you know, whatever it is, when envy and selfish ambition are part of the mix, it turns things miserable, doesn't it? I mean, if you have to work in that atmosphere, it becomes very miserable. <clears throat> when one person gets rewarded or recognized for something special, another person or two get upset because they didn't receive any recognition, and they've done so much more, and they've been there so much longer, and that person is playing favorites, or they know something about that person. If you knew this, then you wouldn't give them that award. So they go off and grumble, maybe gossip and spread dissension. That's earthly wisdom. And that's the kind of wisdom that we have naturally if we're not tapping into heavenly wisdom. You know, <clears throat> for three summers, uh, back in kind of the mid to late 70s, 
I was the assistant manager of a city swimming pool, and the manager was a person who was, he was uh, like kind of a hero of the community, and he was involved in all kinds of things, so he wouldn't be at the pool. I, I was running the pool daily, and he would step in, stop, stop in once a day so I could take a dinner break. But I had to deal with all that was going on. And <clears throat> um, I don't want you to take this in the wrong way, but um, the, the pay was very low at that time. And you know, we were being paid by the city. And the guards, we just couldn't get enough guy guards. You know, you want so many guy guards. And we have lady guards there, <clears throat> lifeguards. And so we, we had a staff of around... 18, 19 lifeguards, and three of them were guys. And so you had 16, 17 uh, lady lifeguards who, some of them were great, but, you know, women and men handle things differently, especially when they're 16, 17 years old, and somebody gets a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and somebody got a boyfriend taken from them, you know, and all that drama goes on with 17 girls there. And, you know, when the guys get mad at each other, they just walk up, say it. Somebody may get hit. They walk off best friends. Not with the girls. <laughs> you got this long-running thing, and, you know, a couple are over there just kind of talking quietly, and, and you know they're not talking about something that's good. And then you got people talking about others, and you got people playing tricks on others, and uh, talking because one g girl was flirting with another guy that they knew that he had a girlfriend back home, and all this kind of stuff. But it just went on and on and on, and it wasn't out in the open. I mean, it, you, you, you'd catch it after a while, but it was just maddening. And so <clears throat> I just bring that up because it was a, such a strong illustration, an example that I went through that I saw what it was like when there was just uh, selfish ambition and bitter envy. <clears throat> and I'm, I know these girls grew up to be much better as they got older and you know, became adults and that sort of thing, but it was, it was tough. Where envy reigns, where people resent each other for being recognized. That's all earthly, unspiritual wisdom at work. It's the kind that Satan likes to encourage. Satan likes to bring, you know, <clears throat> problems in a group and, and disruption. And so that's his specialty. And he tries to get us wherever he can. And if we just take that bait, we go down and we start kind of messing things up. And then if you transfer that kind of wisdom and, and activity into the church where people are looking out only for themselves and they get angry when things don't go according to their preferences, every church decision has to go my way or everyone's going to hear about it. I'm looking around the church and being critical of anything that doesn't... Uh, happen the way or is done the way that I would choose to do it. And when someone gets recognized 
I make certain people know that that person's faults and, and, and weaknesses. I, I make sure that people know about them. And I often feel cheated because no one recognized my contribution. What gives in that? Because <clears throat> that really is our base nature, isn't it? That is really what we turn to and do if we're not, you know, tapping into the Lord and finding our significance in Christ and following him in our lives and letting his word infiltrate our minds and come in and teach us and lead us. It's the way we think, the human wisdom, that's the way we think unless we choose to do things in the humility uh, of true wisdom from above. Wisdom that recognizes who we are without Christ and all that we are because of Christ. And we have to guard against our base sinful nature in order to rise above our own selfish interests. And we are only able to do that when we turn to Christ and we decide that we are going to follow him in our lives and we walk by the Spirit of God. And then when we choose to do that as a whole group, our church becomes a place that anyone would want to be a part of if they got to know it. Because it's a place where people care for each other. And they use the wisdom that comes from humility. <clears throat> now, at our last two verses here, here's the good church. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. <clears throat> what a difference that is, right? I mean, look at that. That's the wisdom that comes from heaven. The wisdom that comes from humility. I mean, who wouldn't want to be a church like be in a church like that? And in fact, I see a lot of those things in our church. So let's take a quick look at them. <clears throat> he says they come from the wisdom that comes from heaven, or the wisdom that comes from heaven, and he describes that. And if you look into this, these things that he is mentioning here line up pretty closely with the fruits of the Spirit. <clears throat> and so he and Paul, they kind of agree, but he calls it the true wisdom from heaven, and Paul is talking about the fruit of the Spirit. If we are walking and acting by way of heavenly wisdom, then we're walking by the way of the Spirit. James says that wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. You know, pure has the sense of being undiluted. No bad mixed in with the good. You know, pure gold, for instance, pure silver. And it has the idea in life, in life of moral uprightness, innocence. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says his desire is to present the church to Christ as a pure virgin, undefiled just following Christ. 
And that purity is really the umbrella <coughs> for the rest of the characters, characteristics. He breaks those down into seven traits and breaks those down into three groups. And so you have peace-loving, considerate, and submissive. That's what comes from true wisdom. They're in contrast to bitter envy and selfish ambition. Because instead of thinking selfishly, we are seeking peace. Instead of thinking selfishly, we're thinking of others willing to submit our own preferences for the good of the church. And so instead of thinking, well, we should do it this way because I've, that's what I'm used to or that's what I want or I think that's the best, we should think, what's best for the church? And sometimes even you give in to somebody, even if it's yours is the best, just to make peace and then you know, your way can come up later, perhaps. Now, the second group of traits <coughs> that come from heavenly wisdom are being full of mercy and good fruit. Mercy is helping somebody who needs help. Mercy is kind of like the sense of feeling sorry for somebody and you want to help them out of their trouble. It's a heart that breaks over someone else's hurt. And that helping, that by giving to someone in need, is the good fruit coming from a heart of mercy. So it's full of mercy and good fruit. <clears throat> we aren't just standing there feeling sorry for someone truly hurting, where we step in to help. Full of mercy and good fruit. And think what that does to a group, to a church. And that last group, in impartial and sincere we're willing to help all and not just our favorite people sincere means we take these actions of goodness because we really believe that we should be doing them we really believe those are the best things to do that's what God wants us to do that's what we want to do because God wants us to do it because we truly want to help we have no false motives. We're not trying to <clears throat> you know, make a position for ourselves. We're not trying to uh, fool anybody. No hidden agenda. It's not for ourselves. It's for the person. It's for the church. And then Paul, or <clears throat> James says again in verse 18, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. <clears throat> Now think of that as a description of a church, of your church. We're sowing in peace and we're reaping a harvest of righteousness because we're not thinking selfishly, we're not bitter, we're not envious, but we're here to help others. We're peace-loving, considerate, merciful, and we're sincere. Everything there is other-centered, isn't it? It's what's best for the other person. It's what's best for the church. It's what, what's best for Christ's uh, work, his name. And when that is the basic attitude of the church, 
when our mindset is set on serving others and not to be all about ourselves, everyone benefits. You know, I've tried to put this in practical terms before in talking to our children as they were growing up and then, you know, talking to groups before. And, I, and I've mentioned how, I just kind of thought this through at one point, I've mentioned how <clears throat> when someone is out only for themselves, we all know people like that, right? When someone is out only for themselves, well then, what happens? Everybody turns against that person. <clears throat> so I would tell our kids, you know, if you just want to be for yourself, everybody else will turn against you. But if everybody is for everybody else, then we're all willing to help. <clears throat> if you give to everyone else, people will come to help you. And they will lift you up. But if you're just fighting for yourself, then everybody wants to put you down. So it all works out, doesn't it, according to heavenly wisdom. And then when everyone is sowing peace and we're reaping a harvest of righteousness, then everyone is receiving care and kindness. And everyone is finding true wisdom and true love in the church. And that's what makes a church you know, attractive. It makes a church the place you want to become a member of, the people you want to be with, the people you want to work with to do the, the will of Christ. And so, <clears throat> who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. And the more and more we continue in that direction, we experience the harvest of righteousness. And who would not want to be a part of that church? I'm going to pray, and then what I'd like to do, we don't have life groups today, so I would ask if we just spend a few minutes talking about, you know, the future this future with the coronavirus. Some churches are not meeting because of it. They're asking groups over a certain number not to meet. And I just want to see what people think here uh, about that. If we should take any different action, I'm very happy to keep meeting. But uh, just want to hear what people are thinking. But let me pray right now. Father, we thank you for your word, your love in giving it to us the guidance that we get from it, the heavenly wisdom that we find in it. And pray that we could continue down that road of seeking your heavenly wisdom and practicing it with each other. And then, Lord, may that expand outside of our church to those who need you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. <coughs> I, just a few minutes, but if, if somebody would just like to say what they think about this, you know, maybe some think that we should uh, not meet, or some think that let's go after it. Tim?
going. <laughs> Anyone else? I didn't count, but I don't think we. <laughs> but with all, with all your kids here. <laughs> Careful with touching 
fist bumps, elbow taps, <laughs> whatever. Okay. <clears throat> well, Ron, would you play to pray to close our meeting, our service and meeting?